Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Tom Hanks' Castaway movie and Biden's gas stove ban, GOP Select Committee weaponization of the federal government, Biden's immigration agenda, Brazil's Bolsonaro, and Texas election activists are leading the way. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. A lot of you probably saw the movie, I think it was like around 2000 or so, the Tom Hanks movie called Castaway. And if you didn't see it, it was a great movie because Tom Hanks was such a good actor. Uh, it was just a brilliant job what he did in this film. The short story was he's a big executive for FedEx and he flies out very close to Christmas. He's Mr. Super, super busy, you know, pushing, pushing people to be faster in the FedEx delivery system. He's in a plane over the ocean um, somewhere, and there's really bad weather. The plane crashes in the ocean. He ends up essentially making his way or being deposited by the waves on the shore of a deserted island. He literally, the movie is about, pretty much all of it's about, his four years on that island as a castaway, the only person there. And you can imagine the struggles he goes through. I mean, he finally figures out he has to be able to make fire, and so he eventually, after many efforts, is able to create a fire so that he has can cook some of the food that he might be able to catch. He's literally uh, killing fish. He's, he's just walking into the ocean and trying to stab fish, swimming near the shore with a, you know, a, a weapon he made. I mean, it's just made out of a branch. And that's what he has to eat. So he obviously loses tons of weight. It's, you know, it's a real ordeal. He makes it through for four years and finally is rescued. But the reason I mentioned it was, so he's all, he's rescued, he's back in civilization, FedEx holds a big party for him to welcome him back and bring him back to life because they had assumed after four years that he had passed on. So in the, this film, the scene I'm thinking about was, he's in this place, in this really uh, lavish reception they have for him after he's been rescued, and as everyone's streaming out, after all the speeches and accolades, he's kind of standing there around the table of all this delicious food, and he picks up a, um, I think it was a crab leg. It was, yeah, I think it was a crab leg. And it's obviously a, a, you know, a whole feast spread out on the table, this big event. You know, he had to work and struggle and wade into the ocean and get his feet cut on the bottom to get, to get anywhere to stab one little fish. And there's just a lavish display of crab, beautifully trimmed, all ready to eat. And he also picks up a lighter, the kind of lighter Many of us have in our homes to light the barbecue or the fireplace. Just clicks it and the fire comes on. And that was a really big struggle for him. And the reason I wanted to, I thought about that movie because there's a story out about one of the considering, an idea that the Biden administration is considering allegedly to fight climate change. And that is, not kidding, to ban gas stoves. 
literally to say in the future in America, in order to fight climate change, this is again, climate change, of course, is the, you know, the excuse for every crazy thing they want to do. Um, it is that we're going to have to ban gas stoves. And the argument in the banning of gas stoves is supposedly uh, that gas stoves uh, emit too much either CO2, CO2 and something else, um, and these emissions in homes in America, the gas stoves being used for cooking, you know, cause asthma in children. This is, this is the study that is being pointed to by the Biden administration to say they're actually thinking about banning gas stoves, that gas stoves cause asthma in children and may de uh, delay cognitive development of children. Now, before I... Um, I'm going to tell you just the ludicrous level of this, um, but I wanted to tell you there was a tweet out by AOC. Oh, I had it all set here and it went away. Um, there she is, AOC. She um, had a tweet out where she's talking about how um, she jumps right in the bandwagon, of course. You know, this is so exciting. We're, we're going to ban gas stoves uh, and, you know, this is going to save children's lives, blah, blah, blah. And she claims that there is um, ongoing exposure uh, from gas stoves is linked to reduced cognitive performance of children. My friends, first of all, gas stoves, everyone who likes to cook, as I do, you know that gas stoves are way better in terms of performance than are electric stoves. They just are. I mean, they can control the heat better. They heat faster, heat more evenly. Everything about gas stoves uh, is better in terms of people who actually like to cook like gas stoves. It's in 40% of homes in America. All sorts of hilarity uh, emerged on Twitter, of course, uh, when people were saying, you know, over my cold, dead hands, you're taking away my gas stove, all sorts of uh, things like that. But I want to make this serious point. The idea of banning gas stoves in America in the future you can laugh today and you can say, well, that's so ridiculous. I mean, they've been around for however many decades. This is not possibly true. And you know, even, by the way, asthma. Asthma is a disease caused by allergens in the air. People who suffer from a reaction to allergens, there are no allergens in, in the, uh, being emitted by this gas stove. No allergens in natural gas. I mean, it's preposterous to start with. But what I really, the point I wanted to make, this idea is being based on one study that is not, you know, all the left claiming they're the ones who are really into science and they stand for the science and they, they are, you know, serious about science and, you know, science is real, blah, 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 blah. This study came out from an organization, um, which is RMI, Rocky Mountain Institute, filled with leftists filled with leftists and, and climate activists, and it has not been in any normal sense of the word validated, verified, replicated. Nothing you would normally say has to happen. They've just come up with another culprit, another danger for Western civilization, the gas stove. And I wanna, I wanna tell you the story first to say, this sounds crazy now, but if this um, climate alarmism, this extremism, that is launched by the climate movement is not exposed more, is not brought under control, is not just kind of forced to deal with reality, you can bet we'll have another study next year. Well, turns out gas stoves are dangerous. And then you have another study. Well, turns out they emit so much CO2. It's just unbelievable. We never knew. And we will be at a point 
you know, still in our lifetimes, when you'll have the federal government saying no more gas stoves. And if they were really dangerous, if they were really harmful, then every American would really be willing to try to participate in saving us from the evils of gas stoves. Americans are actually good people. And if there was reality in this fear of gas stoves, this latest culprit they're pointing to, Americans would respond. They'd say, okay, we're going to have to back off. We're just going to have to go back to electric. Heck, let's just go back to, you know, building over a campfire, cooking over a campfire. I'm going to wrap up the first five, but I'm going to come back to this climate thing after the first five. But the reason the start of the first five, I mentioned this Tom Hanks film, The Castaway, and he's standing at the big feast and clicking a lighter on and off, and the flame is instantaneous. So much of the comfort and ease and health and safety and security of Western civilization flows from the fact that we allow advancements. We encourage the use of fossil fuels as one example. Fossil fuels are tremendously and have been historically tremendously impactful in making life better, healthier, safer, more comfortable for the human race, for the poor, for the wealthy, and everyone in between. And this attack on gas stoves and natural gas, because one nutty study, not peer-reviewed, not subject to what every, uh, the rigors of science normally uh, that we do, you might think, well, well, they'll just laugh it off. But if these federal agencies, these Biden administration agencies are causing, you're making, taking, making the effort to put this idea out there, you know, folks, you just might have to ban those. Believe me, they're on the way to doing that. And the American people need to stand up and rise up and not let the climate alarmists simply take away the, the, comfort of Western civilization, the, the ease and, and the greatness of gas stove and, and gas stove cooking. The left will push any idea, any idea, if it foments their agenda, if it forwards their agenda, if it helps them gain more power, more control over you, the, the masses, the great unwashed masses who, in their view, really shouldn't be taking uh, up space on the planet and certainly shouldn't be burning gas stoves. But I'm gonna, why, I'm gonna close out the first five in just a second, but what we're gonna turn to next is talking about saying CO2 is the culprit, is the, is the building block of all of the left-wing lunacy regarding climate alarmism and climate change. If you agree CO2 is the scariest thing on the planet Earth and increases in CO2 level are about to kill us all, then everything they suggest, everything they propose, well, we better do it. I mean, you know, it emits CO2. So that's what we're going to talk about in the next section. We're still on that. We're really doing the first five extended, but exposing again the lunacy of the left having latched onto CO2 is dangerous and therefore stepping forward with a study and a plan like this to take away your cooking comfort, your freedom, your ability to cook quality food by banning gas stoves. The idea is crazy, but it is right in step with how the left views everything, which is it's a vehicle to their control over you. It is a hysterical reaction to the non-science they have embraced. And at the end of the day, it takes away more of your freedom. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So in the first five, I was talking about the um, this climate change um, announcement uh, by the Biden administration. We just may have to uh, 
ban gas stoves. And I want to make a couple points clear. Um, they're talking about banning um, gas, uh, these uh, gas stoves in homes. As I said, um, their claim is it can cause health and respiratory problems. Um, the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission is going to open public comment on the dangers of gas stoves sometime this winter. We'll be talking about something else um, in a moment related to when they sought comment. But it's being talked about as a hidden hazard. And the answer of people who look at science and not climate hysteria, there is no study that links gas stoves with asthma in children. There is no study that does that. They say, this group that put out this dire warning, we have to ban gas stoves, they actually picked from numerous different studies, put that together, and claimed it was a study that showed this, and there's no study that shows anything like what they claimed. They are, as, as the um, term they use, and the people who are trying to explain to us why this is a crazy idea, these are at very best weak statistical associations. They're, as they say, noise range correlations. They're finding, you know, data they can pump together from one study and different study and different study and mash it together and make the utterly unjustified claim that CO2 coming from gas stoves is causing asthma in children. And it's just ludicrous. So lots of uh, humor on Twitter about it. But um, I want to um, talk a little bit more why I didn't want to end it with this, uh, the first five, with just what I said before. The entire premise of the left's climate, first it was global warming, and then when they discovered that temperatures just wouldn't cooperate with them, it wouldn't keep warming no matter what they kept saying was going to happen, they turned to climate change, which as you know, anything that happens climate-wise, too hot, too cold, too much rain, not enough rain, everything that happens can be blamed on climate change. And there's climate change alarmism everywhere, but nearly all of it is built on this idea that CO2 a naturally occurring environment in nature, CO2 is dangerous to mankind. The entire premise of what they're saying is based on that. And I want to, if you haven't heard me mention this in the show before, ask you if you know what percentage of the Earth's atmosphere, you know, we all live here on the Earth, and there's atmosphere around us, and there are many gases that comprise the atmosphere. What percentage of the atmosphere, of the Earth's atmosphere, is CO2? If I were speaking in person, I'd say, raise your hand if you know. What percentage of the Earth's atmosphere is CO2, this dangerous element that's going to kill us all? 0.04. That's what percentage. Not even half of 1% of the Earth's environment is CO2. And so that's the first point. It is a, it is a microscopic portion of what the um, environment uh, has in it. Second is, I want to remind you, I brought this up when it came out. I don't remember when this was, in June of last year. And I, I linked it again on our website today. But when the uh, SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, put out that you know, when, they, when federal agencies make rules, they're required to put out a notice and seek public comment. What do you guys think? We're thinking about this rule, thinking about that rule. Well, the SEC had a rule being proposed um, that related to the gathering of data by companies whose shares are traded on the stock exchange not only the companies whose shares are traded, but anyone those companies buy products or services from, the rule would extend to the suppliers of these companies who are uh, traded in the stock exchange. And the rule related to more massive, massive reporting and accountability related to CO2. 
And so it was just, you know, it was one of those things they put out saying, hey, don't you think this would be a great idea? You know, let's have a new rule and have even really more harsh demands made on companies about their CO2 emissions. So there was a great, great comment. When you, when you choose to formally reply, you make a comment to the SEC. This is a great thing put in by two actual climatologists, two actually trained people, not climate alarmist lunatics, but actually trained scientists. One, William Happer, um, professor of physics emeritus from Princeton. Other one, Richard Lindzen, professor of earth, atmospheric, and planetary sciences emeritus from MIT. Two of the premier um, universities in the country. And they submitted a statement to the SEC. And I'm going to read you the summary of what they said. But what I'm getting at is, instead of fighting these people, these climate extremists, about what precisely should be the rule related to whether or not you can have a gas stove in your home, we've got to attack the premise, attack the core argument, which is why are you making everyone so afraid of CO2? So here are these two doctors trying to submit a comment to the SEC saying, don't pass this rule, it's not needed. Here was their summary of their own, um, of their comment. They, they wrote these words, comment and declaration on the SEC's proposed rule, the enhancement and standardization of climate-related disclosures for investors. This are their words. As career physicists, science demonstrates there is no climate-related risk caused by fossil fuels or CO2. I feel like I should say that every day in the show. As career physicists, science demonstrates there is no climate-related risk caused by fossil fuels and CO2. There is, thus, no scientific basis for this proposed rule. And if adopted, disastrous consequences for people worldwide and the U.S. because it will reduce CO2 and the use of fossil fuels. Understand, CO2 is a good thing. They're saying, not only do we not need this rule designed to force companies to expose every iota of CO2 they put in the atmosphere, but reducing CO2 is a bad thing. I'm going to tell you just two. And by the way, they submitted this. And there, I, I am unaware, and I follow this pretty closely, of any climate alarmist, climate lunatic on this planet refuting the science of what they presented, the facts. This is a lengthy paper. Uh, it is you know, it's printed out two-sided, 30 pages. It's filled with data, charts, footnotes, and explanations. I'm just going to tell you two things they put in this SEC report. One is they put in a chart that measures um, over the last 600 million years. So 600 million years ago up until now, it's measuring the parts per million, PPM, parts per million, of the CO2 concentration in the environment. As I told you, CO2 is, is naturally occurring. It's in, the, in our atmosphere at the level of about 0.04. So these people made a graph, a chart. And I previously in the show put the chart up what we're talking about, but I'll just tell you about it today. So where we were, for example, uh, somewhere between 500 and 550 million years ago, and by the way, they can get CO2 level information from times before there were human beings, combustible engines, cars, airplanes, blah, 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 combustion engines. They can't get that data because they can dig it out of Arctic ice and Arctic ice to go way down 
and they can, through uh, their scientific methods, determine the CO2 level long before human beings were on the earth. Okay, so over 500 million years ago, they were, they were at, the earth's atmosphere was at about almost 8,000 ppm, parts per, um, parts per molecule, CO2 concentration. So 500 million years ago, they're at the level of 8,000 ppm of CO2. Today, compared with today, where we are today, we're at essentially zero. There was far more CO2 in the Earth's environment long before humans came along, long before the combustion engine, long before trains and airplanes and cars. The Earth has survived and thrived with massively higher levels of CO2 than we have today. When you see scientists put up charts with their, they have a very narrow period of time. They say, oh my gosh, look at this. You know, this last 10 years, look at the CO2 level rise. They do that to manipulate you, to confuse you because they take a tiny period of time and they can make a tiny change. If you've got a tiny period of time and a small increase, it can look on a chart that only relates to a short period of time, like a big jump up. It's still 0.04%. So in, throughout the course of, and I, I may even hold this up, see if you can see it. I don't know if you can really see it. I don't know if you can hone in on that. You don't really have, anyway, can you do that? Not really. Okay, I just want you to see this. You think I'm exaggerating. Maybe we can't. All right, I'll just tell you. So throughout Earth's history, uh, we had times at 300 million years ago that were about the level we're at now. We had a uh, little around uh, 375 million years ago. We're way up over 4,000. The point is CO2 levels have been much, much higher. We are now today at one of the lowest levels of CO2 on the Earth's ex in the Earth's existence. Same thing with respect to temperatures. Same thing with respect to temperatures. The short story is when you have CO2 and temperature, long-term view, number one, the CO2 level doesn't drive up temperatures. The CO2 level does not drive up temperatures. I mean, this is too complicated to try to go into right now, but I urge you to go to my website, americacanwetalk.org, on the home page under shows, drop down list of links, make yourself read this document and understand no one who is uh, critical of this submission, no one who is a big climate change alarmist, no one is in the slightest contesting all the data that these doctors put in. These doctors are like, and there are hundreds, if not thousands of others around the world trying to say we've worked up CO2 levels to be just a, um, I'm sorry, I did the wrong, PPM is parts per um, million, parts per million, but in any case, it's parts per million. What I wanted to get at was, you gotta read this to understand, you're getting worked up into a lathered hysteria over minute changes in CO2 levels when the earth has survived and life has progressed with much higher levels and the CO2 is not driving up temperatures. Okay, two other related points, and I know I'm belaboring the first five, but I just want, you know, the left leads us around on all sorts of agenda items. They want to get you to a certain place. They use COVID to create fear. They use climate change to create fear and both cases, COVID and climate change, the idea of it really is to make you feel ignorant, feel fearful, and be submissive. Well, I don't know. They said we're all going to die unless I wear a mask the rest of my life, even at home. We're all going to die if I don't give up my gas stove. 
And we cannot let this attack on freedom happen based on junk science, which is what the Biden administration is pushing now when they say get rid of gas stoves, junk science. Two last quick things. So the SEC had to deal with the fact that companies in America, not just these two doctors, but other experts in America were submitting to the SEC their opposition to this proposed rule, which is, a, again, another massive undertaking of record-keeping and reporting obligation, and someone checks up and you made a slight mistake and then you get a fine. It just makes everybody, it makes, slows down business, slows down companies, and so these companies are submitting their comments. And so the SEC tried to give you the impression, tried to give America the impression that the overwhelming submissions they had received were from people in America saying, yes, yay, please limit CO2, please demand this rule, please pass this rule, make it harder and harder for these bad, 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 bad companies to, um, you know, to do business, to do anything, make, make it impossible for them. Um, to add to the CO2 levels in the environment. And when the fact was, the SEC has been extraordinarily duplicitous because the simple fact is, when they put this proposed rule out, which everyone understands in business, makes life much harder for people in business. The short story was, the main opposition, the main opposition being submitted to the SEC, I'm sorry, the main support to the SEC, the people pushing to say, yes, SEC, you know, get after the CO2 thing, are foreign, not American businesses, foreign interests, many related to China, and environmental alarmist extremists who form themselves into happy-sounding groups, really nice-sounding names, you know, people who love Earth, whatever the heck they call themselves. They're the ones submitting this. The people who actually would have to comply with it, and the people submitting facts who don't want it um, were in the, in the great majority. One estimate was 80% of these submissions were from foreign entities, 80%. It's other com uh, companies, especially countries, especially China, saying, yeah, heck, you make business harder in America. We'd love that. The SEC is being duplicitous in the way they're acknowledging what's happened. Last quick thing on climate. I didn't want to go as long on climate today, but I want to uh, climate. Everyone on the planet Earth is going to live on the planet Earth the rest of their lives. And so are their children and grandchildren and grandchildren's 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 grandchildren's. So no one, there's no one who doesn't care about the climate. Everybody does. Everybody wants clean air, clean water, responsible behavior by individuals and businesses. Everybody wants that. There is no advocacy. This is not an issue with those two sides. The issue is about what the facts are. And those, that's what the left will never, ever, ever, ever allow debate about. What are the facts? Why are we so concerned about CO2? Why are all these actually trained climatologists opposed to what, what the climate extremists want to do? I mean, they, you, the left has gotten the, taken the argument away from the arena of facts and data into their arena of everyone who won't agree with us must be a mean-spirited, terrible person. And so they make the emotional argument and the average citizen in America, you don't want to be the one. I mean, heck, you know, these climate experts said so, and what do I know? So they go along with it. I'll tell you something just interesting, a quick aside. So in the uh, state of Washington, Washington State, uh, they put out their new curricula, the Washington State Department of Health Climate Curriculum, got to get this, instructs teachers, teachers of high school students and probably younger, junior high, to focus on emotions over rational thinking 
according to their curriculum lesson plans, including curriculum on climate change. These are the instructions going to the state of Washington teachers from the Department of Health. Focus on emotions, not facts. It's in, the, the left does about everything. Instead of facts, we get you worked into hysteria and fear. And then, of course, you become compliant and do whatever we tell you, whether it relates to climate change or whether it relates to COVID or anything else. Okay, now I'm done my first five. But I really, I'm, I'm going to follow this story about the stoves. I, I, I saw a lot of mocking of it, but I can't really believe it's going to go anywhere. Okay, very quickly, I'm going to tell you. So for our radio listeners, you're going to go off to a break at the bottom of the hour. Uh, do come back. You have a three-minute break. We'll be right here. This is Debbie Georgiatis, America Can We Talk, website americacanwetalk.org. Check out the website. So you can all of our shows there. I want to play for something. I, this uh, segment I call GOP Selection Committee Weaponization of the Federal Government. I sent a clip to Emilio, my wonderful producer, and I want you to hear this is a result, again, of the 20 Republicans in the U.S. Congress who stood up and said, we're not giving Kevin McCarthy the job as Speaker of the House until we get some concessions. This was one of them. This is what Jim Jordan had to say about the committee he is going to be heading up. A ploy? It's not a ploy when the Department of Justice treats parents as terrorists, moms and dads who are simply showing up at a school board meeting to advocate for their son or daughter. A ploy. It's not a ploy when the FBI pays Twitter $3 million, not one, not two, $3 million to censor American citizens. It's not a ploy when the Department of Homeland Security tries to set up a disinformation governance board because we all know that the Department of Homeland Security can tell what's good speech and what is bad speech, what's mis... I mean, you got to be kidding me. I tell you what, dozens of whistleblowers who've come talk to Republican staff on the Judiciary Committee don't think this is a ploy. That's why they came to talk to us. They know how serious this is. The former Democrat chair of the Judiciary Committee is in the press today saying we're going to fight this tooth and nail. This is political. But meanwhile... The former Democrat chair of the Intelligence Committee pressured Twitter to censor a journalist. You've got to be kidding me. That This is the most important. This is about the First Amendment, something you guys used to care about. And I'd actually hoped we could get bipartisan agreement on protecting the First Amendment, the five rights we enjoy as Americans under the First Amendment. Your right to practice your faith, your right to assemble, right to petition the government, freedom of press, freedom of speech. Every single one's been attacked in the last two years. There were, there, government was telling people they couldn't go to church just a few years ago. Your right to assemble, your right to petition the government. The Democrats kept the Capitol closed. You couldn't, as a citizen, couldn't come to your Capitol that you pay for to address your member of Congress, to redress your grievances because Nancy Pelosi wouldn't let you in. Freedom of the press, I just told you what the head of the Intel Committee tried to do to a journalist. The most important right we have, though, is your right to talk. Because if you can't talk, you can't practice your faith. You can't share your faith. You can't petition your government. You, the right to speak is the most important, and that's what they're going after. And that's why we've had dozens of whistleblowers you, come to That is Jim Jordan. Who He was the one. I would have loved to see him be Speaker of the House. And the reason is he's very brave, as you can see. And he really, the, the most important quality, I think, in any leader today is someone who sees, my expression for it is, what time it is in America. Jim Jordan is not just listing that amazing list of grievances against the radical left that now runs this country. 
he's listing specific ones. You know, they did this, they did this, they did this. We're going to investigate. We're going to find out why, cause them, you know, make them justify themselves, try to stop them from acting this way again. But he sees the larger picture, and you can hear it in the questions he asks in hearings, the way he speaks about issues. He understands the very idea of America is under assault from today's anti-American left. They are just anti-American. They do not believe in the freedom as a core value, the liberty of the individual, the right to live in freedom. They don't believe in that. They believe in government power over your life. I love Jim Jordan. I love that committee got formed. Never would have happened. Never would have happened if Republicans showed up in Washington last week and just did as they were told and elected Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House without demanding the concessions they did. This is going to be a great thing. Again, the committee is called the... Um, Select Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. And you got to know, the federal government is being weaponized by the left against their political enemies. God bless Jim Jordan for saying that. We'll keep following that story. Okay, I want to hit one other quick thing. So Biden was, I told you yesterday he went to the border. And, you know, he spent uh, three hours there. His photo ops are all by the wall that Donald Trump built that he opposed. And he just, he made some comments down there. Uh, President Biden did. I want to quick, Amelia, I think we have that. Yep. Okay. Let's quick play that for you. And then I'll just tell you why you should really be concerned that this guy is the alleged leader of the free world. And so our deepened and deepened our cooperation uh, for, uh, with our closest friends and allies, none closer than Mexico and Canada, to take on the biggest challenges facing the region and, quite frankly, the world. Because there can no longer be any question none in today's interconnected world. We cannot wall ourselves off from shared problems. We are stronger and better when we work together, the three of us. And together, we've made enormous progress since our last summit. Okay, I want to tell you something. So he's down uh, dealing with the, um, he's talking actually at a meeting where it has America, uh, Trudeau from Canada, and the Mexican president. The three of them are talking about, you know, North America. Number one, he says we can't build a wall, we can't wall ourselves out, we can't wall the world out. At the very same time he's saying that, your tax dollars are being put to use building a wall around Joe Biden's fancy beach house in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. So he knows walls work because he doesn't want the everyday, the unwashed masses anywhere near him. He doesn't want to have the people able to access him. He knows walls work when it's your tax dollars building a wall around his home at Rehoboth, which is a lovely beach in Delaware. I happened to have been there a bunch of times. Number two, he made a comment during his remarks, and I want to see if I can get the exact words. He made this notion, oh, we're living in a time of the great migration. He's... He is completely deflecting the conversation from dealing with the reality that his administration has abandoned the border. So he's lauding the great migration. He had another official in his administration put out this statement, America must do more to accept immigrants. Well, you know what? There's a process for that. We have a system. We have actually a Congress. And if he wanted, could we already right now take in about a million legal immigrants a year in this country. There's a process to follow. We also allow people to come to America without finding that formal process, but then they have, to be, they have to be attempting to qualify for asylum. Those are the ways people get to America legally to become citizens. 
And if you want to change that, if you want to say, well, everyone should be able to come here, you know, no process, no, uh, no assessment of you, your danger, what you're bringing to the country, why are you coming here, what are you running away from? If you want, just try to pass that law then, Joe Biden. Take it to Congress and say, I don't want any immigration policy. I want to let everybody in because that's really what he's doing. And he doesn't want to go to Congress and say that because then the people who still think there's some border and there's some immigration policy will finally realize the Biden administration is abandoning America, abandoning the idea of America, abandoning the border. And so he has these all high lofty sounding ideas. This is a great migration. And by the way, at that same press conference, the president of Mexico thanked Biden for stopping the wall. The president of Mexico on camera thanked Biden for stopping the wall and just said, you know, we're just so grateful because, you know, uh, conservatives might not. He even said this. Conservatives may not like this, but we appreciate that because they're happy to let the southern border of America be overrun by not just people from Mexico, all of Central and South America. This is a lawless abandonment of America and only through the, you know, the, 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 uh, deflection, the manipulation of speech, can Biden try to address America, speak on immigration, when what he should be saying is, America, I've abandoned the border because I don't believe in the nation state, because I'm trying to move America towards Marxism, because I'd like to have America join uh, the globalist movement, become part of the international globalist movement. I don't want America to be sovereign. I don't want to have a border. And that's my policy. At least then he would have the virtue of being honest. But he won't say that because even then, maybe the Republicans in Washington would finally decide that he doesn't belong there. And the voters would, would also not want him in the presidency anymore. But he, he just glazes over immense, extraordinary, lawless irresponsibility by his administration by talking about the great migration and the need to bring more. And he went through the old line, we're all nation immigrants. Well, of course we are, except for the people who are descendants of Native Americans, who themselves, many of them came to, to what we now call America from other places. We, yes, we're a nation of immigrants. As far as I know, my, I know my ancestors came to America legally, legally. They followed the law. They didn't just show up, run across the border, and demand to be fed, housed, medicated, schooled, and everything else. They followed the law. Yes, we're a generous nation. Yes, we should be a generous nation, and we should have an immigration policy that welcomes people in a lawful way. He ignores the lawful part, and it's outrageous that he has the audacity to stand there at the border and act like he's making a big, noble point. Okay, I'm going to hit very briefly what's happening uh, with Brazil, because then I want to tie it to something which is really what I wanted to talk about on the show mostly today. I want to end up in the show today telling you what's happening in the great state of Texas um, regarding elections and regarding our commitment to pursue elections that have um, accuracy, transparency, and accountability. That is the, uh, an effort being made uh, in Texas. I'll get to that in just one moment. I want to do a quick story related to Brazil and just tell you what's happening in, in Brazil. So. We had the election, or they had their election in Brazil, um, 
And it's very much like, this was this year, very much like the elections of Donald Trump um, and Joe Biden in 2020, where, you know, Bolsonaro gets massive crowds, like Trump gets massive crowds. He's pro the Brazilian people. He loves the Brazilian people. He is touting their goodness and their greatness and building a nation of people, you know, who are making progress and making life better. I mean, the, the same kind of pro individual liberty, pro-freedom uh, message. Bolsonaro, it resonated throughout Brazil. He's running for re-election, did run for re-election uh, in 2022, as Trump did in 2020. Massive crowds. The communists on the other side of things, Lula, who is now the alleged president in Brazil, uh, you know, was like Joe Biden. You know, hardly had any rallies, didn't show up any place, didn't campaign, but he magically won. Who knew he magically won? And the people in Brazil know it's not true. They know. They know just like we in America watched what happened in 2020 and just said, I don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy Biden. Got more votes than any president in human history and didn't run a campaign. He didn't have a campaign. He hid out in his basement, used COVID as the excuse, engaged this most massive, massive uh, mail-in ballot fraud, not he, but the entire country did, uh, and walked into the White House. And he's maybe he's not a communist like Lula is, but he's very close. He's a very committed, this is President Biden, very committed to radically left Marxist ideas. It's what he believes. It's how he's governed as a senator. It's how he's lived his life. It's what he believes. So... In uh, Brazil, so now Lula's in, and the people are not happy. So I have some footage. Let's briefly show you uh, what's happening in Brazil. Go ahead. So there's protests. What? Massive. Okay, we'll start that link over. We have massive, massive protests in Brazil. And the people are just basically saying they're breaking into the presidential compound. They're breaking into the Supreme Court. They're breaking into the whatever they call their Congress. Masses are showing up. Keep watching. If you're listening on radio, masses are showing up. It, it, the, the camera pans back up into the sky, and you can see masses of people, as far as the eye can see, showing up in, the, in Brazil. And I'm telling you this because the people of Brazil, are they've realized that they're not going to peaceably ever get the government to examine their claims of massive election fraud, electronic election fraud. Imagine that. They realize they can't get the government to pay attention. The one government official who was trying to say, yeah, actually, uh, this was a really bad election. I don't think it was honest. They had Supreme, the uh, Supreme Court justice, who is a communist, who is a supporter of Lula, condemning. I don't know if he brought about the termination of the one official from government who was trying to say, yeah, we had massive fraud. But the point is, the people in Brazil have nowhere to go to get those in power to listen. Nowhere to go. They can't get the courts to listen. They can't get the um, legislature to listen. They, they just are, they can't get the media to listen. Now, in, in Brazil, the military is on Bolsonaro's side. And so, I don't know how it's all going to shape, shake out in, in Brazil, but Bolsonaro right now is in America. Um, he's in Florida, actually. Bolsonaro is living in Florida temporarily. And I saw AOC communist that she is, uh, who wants to let everyone in America at all times, doesn't want a border at all, she's demanding Bolsonaro be kicked out. 
It's kind of funny because she's usually, you know, let everybody come in. What do we care? But someone uh, who's standing up against communism and trying to challenge the outrage, outrage of the election in Brazil, that's when she wants booted out. I could do more on that, but uh, we'll, we'll keep keep you informed. America's media has been astonishingly quiet about the, the protests in Brazil. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact they're worried because it's so parallel to what's happening here. And because they are not, they, they are watching the American people, at least the informed ones, becoming more and more activists, trying to point out the problem we have with our elections, which ties in well to the very last segment I want to do today. And that is this. Um, <clears throat> So I have, um, you might be surprised, you know, I have a lot of politically active friends. Amazing. Uh, some of my friends um, have gotten involved in an effort, and they're calling it uh, the um, Texas First. Um, in fact, their website, I meant to write this down for you guys, but I'll just tell you, it's texasfirst.org, texasfirst.org. They're creating a system in Texas. They have flyers like this. I'm just going to show you what it looks like. For my listeners who are in the great state of Texas, you should mark on your calendar January 24th. January 24th, that is the day when many people are going down to our capital in Texas, our capital is Austin, going down there to hold a legislative briefing. And I want to just tell you why I juxtapose this with the story about Brazil is this. I really would like to have the American government and the American courts and the American legislatures, the American system, rise up and deal honestly with where we are with elections in this country. Why the reasons we have no faith in the America, in the honesty of the elections, no faith in the outcomes as announced. I don't want to have a Brazil kind of riot. I mean, and the Brazilians, it's really a precarious situation because the military appears to be on Bolsonaro's side. I mean, you could have collapse of a country. I, I don't wish that on them, but I also don't think the Brazilians should have to accept a stolen election and a communist government when everything was going swimmingly really well as it was under Trump in our four years of 2016 to 2020 in Bolsonaro's one term going swimmingly well for the Brazilians. And so this is where they are. So this effort I'm talking about in Texas, what happened, I'll tell you because I had a long talk yesterday with one of the leaders of it. And I want to explain what they're doing not just because I think it's great in Texas, it is great in Texas, but because you could replicate this in your state. You could replicate what the people of Texas are doing if you're in a red state. So first of all, again, texasfirst.org. They want to have the legislature make important, significant changes to our election laws. And they recognize, which is very true, which is, you know, you, you have to convince legislators that there is a problem with the elections. You have to get their attention because many of them, obviously they just got elected. They just got reelected. They don't want to be out there saying, yeah, we have fraudulent elections and here I am because then they're maybe you know, questioning their own place. So here's what this group did and you can replicate this in your state. And I really urge you to think about this. Number one, they gathered, gathered data. They gathered, this has been going on for months since last October, I think. They gathered affidavits from people who worked at the elections in November. Not just gripes about, you know, one guy came in and I, you know, his ID was, wasn't very good or something. I mean, but serious observations 
by election judges, election clerks, election poll walkers, watchers, people working the elections, writing out, here's what I saw happen. I saw this. I saw, and this has happened in Texas at the very end of election day, just prior to when the polls are going to close, and there's nobody in line, the polls are going to close, and in numerous jurisdictions around Texas, all of a sudden, the poll books came alive, no one was touching them, adding voters who had voted adding voters who had voted. So people were counting those kind of things. They have an inch, they have a stack now of affidavits, typed out affidavits, signed by the person, 13 inches high. They have divided it up into categories, problems with the counting machines, problem with the poll books, whatever it is. They have these affidavits. They have many, many copies made. They have it organized. So they gather their data. They work for months in trying to figure out exactly what should happen with the legislation. What needs to change in the legislative effort? What the laws have to say so we don't have the, the at, at the very minimum, what we have in Texas and around this country is an election system that a significant portion of Americans do not trust. And they have many, many valid reasons to not trust them. And so they're trying to say, we've got to fix it. We've got to address this. Their key phrase I mentioned a minute ago, they want to make elections accurate, transparent, accountable. Accurate, transparent, accountable. They are deciding to go with positive terms, not to speak of election fraud, not even to speak of election integrity, but just to say, can we all get on board, everybody get on board, with making elections accurate, transparent, and accountable. So they came up with legislation, so this takes the job away from, or it takes the burden away from the legislator who's got to get some staffer to write it, or the, the committee, they have them in Austin and every place to write them. They wrote a good draft what they want to have in there. They also, they have an organized presentation at the Texas legislature on January 24th. Many people are going down there and they're going to have a presentation all day, a logical presentation laid out by the people, essentially talking about, uh, this briefing is talking about with the eyewitness accounts, subject matter experts, how our system, how people can cheat in the system, and live demonstrations. So they've got great speakers. They're having at the same time a prayer rally outside, so people are gathering in the steps of the Capitol. So it's a positive, peaceful, and overwhelming message to the members of the Texas legislature, House and Senate. We want you to do something. You can't just, you know, show up and say, well, yeah, every election has a few items that don't go perfectly, but we don't have a systemic problem. These people really did a brilliant job organizing it, and I really want, I urge you to go to their website, especially if you're in another state and you're concerned where you are, go to texasfirst.org, read the page that lays out essentially the goal, and it lays out all the pieces. You can, you can click on things to read them, to understand, here are your talking points, Here's what we're trying to do. It's a great, great effort. Now, you may be, so I, I want to really commend these people um, because they've made a, a huge, huge effort to make this, number one, the other thing about that stack of affidavits, they have made copies, divided by category, but they made copies for the members of the House and Senate. And so the people, because I've heard legislators, state and federal, say, well, you know, there's always some fraud, but it's not outcome changing, it's not systemic, it's not big, it's not widespread. It's really hard to look at this stack of affidavits and, and keep saying that. They also have a live hearing going on, uh, not on the floor of the House or Senate, but a legislative briefing 
in one of the rooms down there where the camera, there's live cameras going, feeding into the office of every House, and Senate, House member and senator, and they have constituents showing up at the offices of each House member and senator and saying, hey, you should be watching this, pay attention, listen to what they're saying, is a concerted effort early on the legislative cycle in Texas to say, we need you to pay attention to this. Now, I don't know what's gonna be the outcome. I understand they might not succeed in getting this particular bill being pushed by a great Texas senator, pushed is the wrong word, put out there and with the, you know, by Senator Bob Hall, been on my show many times, will be on again, he's just a great conservative, hardworking senator, has put this bill together. And even if that bill doesn't pass this time, even if they just can't get the votes, what happens with efforts like this is that all these people in the Texas legislature, they hear what's happening, they see the people there, they see an orderly presentation, they see data, they see facts, they see a concerted, see a concerted effort. And part of why that's necessary is because the left has managed, and I say the left, the anti-American leftists and the, their pals in the media, which is most of the media, have done a great job trying to suppress the idea that there's any significant or systemic election fraud in America. They've, in fact, they've you know, come up with the term election deniers, and that's like the kiss of death to somebody who runs for an office. If you're an election denier, oh, come on. And so they've managed to make the idea of election integrity as a serious concern to be one kind of extremist, far right, kind of conspiracy theory. So these people, by the orderly way they've created this document, what they're saying, what they're presenting, they are, they are getting around to making the impression on longtime senators, new senators, longtime and new House members, this is a serious body of Texas patriots, and they present serious information, and we need to do something about it. So the legislation they propose... I'm not going to go into that today, but they've gotten legislation, which I think is still being adjusted a little bit, but, they're, but they've got it ready, and they're just saying, we're not just doing a protest outside your offices and waving flags and making accusations. We are showing up, be part of the system. Now, i got to tell you something happened in Texas, and you might very, very much wonder um, if, um, you know, in Texas, because I, I, I think, you know, if you don't live here, you might think, well, everything's so... You know, the conservatives are in charge anyway in Texas, and, and I'm going to tell you how much that isn't true. And I want to tell you that what occurred today here in the great state of Texas, it is a unspeakably nefarious, manipulative, deceptive, you know, slap across the face to the citizens of Texas that happened today in the Texas legislature. And I want to explain it to you because this is the kind of thing you encounter when you have a uniparty, which we don't have entirely uniparty in Texas. But in Texas, I was telling you yesterday, you know, we have a history that we have in the state of Texas, in the House and the Senate. Uh, we have committees. They all have to have committees. And, and in those committees, it's been considered a matter of kind of decorum or Southern gentlemanliness or whatever it is to have when the citizens of Texas have elected a Republican majority as they have a significant Republican majority, House and Senate, but the people in charge of the House and Senate, the ones who make the rules, and I'm going to focus on the Texas House here, they go ahead and appoint a significant number of Democrat chairs. So a Democrat 
is running a committee that has to approve legislation before it can go to the floor of the House. And you might be thinking, why does that happen? Many people want to know that. But in any case, so there is, just like in the federal level, a rules committee. So the way it was set up, we first of all had an election of the Speaker of the House, very much paralleling what happened in Washington with Kevin McCarthy. So you had a Speaker election for a Speaker of the House. In Texas, the way most unfortunately, because we have too many Republicans who won't stand together, the way we end up with a Speaker is all the Democrats band together. The minority Democrats, they get behind one person who's a Republican, and then that Republican picks off a few Republicans who will get behind him. So we have really a Democrat-led legislature choosing a Republican Speaker of the House, but every other Republican gets in, in line behind and votes for that Speaker of the House. For the same reasons that happens in Washington, because people know if they vote against Kevin McCarthy, they are not gonna get the committee assignment they want, they're gonna get punished. Well, same thing happens in Texas. Oh, and this is ongoing. So we have now a guy named Dade Phelan, who is now the Speaker of the House in Texas, and he is someone who is chosen by the Democrat caucus and then pick off a few Republicans so you can say, I've got a majority, I've got the votes, so all the Republicans then go along. So we really don't have a conservative leader. But secondly is the Rules Committee here decides whether or not to have Democrat chairs of committees. And so the Rules Committee was supposed to meet tomorrow, tomorrow, Thursday. So in Texas, a whole host, a large number of activists organized got buses headed down to Austin. Buses headed down of people trying to be there on the day of the rule committee meeting, rules committee meeting, to say no Democrat chairs, no Democrat chairs. We want Republican chairs in all committees. So this newly elected Speaker of the House, how he dealt with that because these people are being bussed down tomorrow for the rules committee meeting, he moved the rules committee meeting to today before the citizens get there, before there's any potential for the citizens to be there He's having the Rules Committee today, and everyone knows, going to go ahead and appoint Democrat chairs again to committees in this Republican-majority legislature. So it is a very much an example, very much an example of the struggle we face in Texas and across this country against entrenched power, against uniparty power, and against the mindset that says, I'm not going to listen to these goofball, far-right activist citizens. I'm going to just, you know... Uh, pull a fast one on them, get the committees appointed, committee chairs appointed before they even get here. That's what happened in Texas. It is outrageous. It is consistent with the behavior of Dade Phelan and other times, and it is really smothering the will of the people of Texas. More on this another day. But I close the show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our today, our show today, starting with... Um, Tom Hanks, Castaway, great movie if you haven't seen it, and Biden's gas stove ban. Biden administration proposed ban of gas stoves, approaching peak climate change idiocy. AOC claims link of gas stove and CO2 exposure to cognitive impairment and brain damage. They just put this stuff out there. It's not like these are you know scientifically reviewed studies. It's just some, well, that's what she put out. Inexpensive utility and positive age of productivity living standards estimated 40% of U.S. households use gas stoves to be banned in the future because of climate change hysteria. Proposal apparently based on a single study, 
with quotes around it, by an activist group. Americans must wake up. Climate change fanaticism seeks total control over human life. Shutdown of energy solutions recognize CCP role in pushing climate change hysteria on America. The SEC skewing comments on proposed CO2 disclosure rules. 80% of comments supporting CO2 phobia are from foreign actors, including China. Climate change hysteria built on CO2 delusions. But check out the detailed work of MIT professors, Emeritus Richard Lanzen, and another professor, zero climate risk from CO2 levels. Zero climate risk from CO2 levels. And on the GOP um, Select Committee on Weaponization of Federal Government, another gem made possible by the 20 House rebels who won concessions from Uniparty McCarthy. Select Committee has very high potential for a positive reform of U.S. government. Jim Jordan is the right chairman to lead the effort to stop the assault on the Bill of Rights. Parents at school boards are domestic terrorists. FBI paid Twitter $3 million to censor Americans' opposition to Democrat policies. Disinformation Governance Board, a Biden re uh, regime idea to regulate American speech. Americans banned going to church during COVID. Pro-life activists subject, subject to slow arrests, show arrests, but protesters in the face of, of Supreme Court justices are fine. Deep state uniparty opposition to Americans' inalienable rights is and will be fierce. Dirty tricks, blackmail, threats, likely to be used to silence Jordan and the committee. Americans must rally to support this committee. It represents a peaceful path to restoring America. On Biden's immigration agenda, Biden proposes to aid the great migration because we can't wall off America. Well, he builds a wall around his Rehoboth, Delaware, very large and lovely home. Southern border political charade is infuriating Americans. Millions can see what's happening. Nothing about border crossing is orderly, rare, or safe. An orchestrated invasion with a political agenda never consented to by Americans. Criminality in drug trade and human trafficking is running amok, and everyone knows it. Photo op visit by Biden accompanied by Potemkin Village creation of El Paso throws gas on the fire of populist frustration. These are among the corrosive effects of a stolen 2020 election and elite capture by the CCP and other leftists of the entire apparatus of the U.S. federal government, U.S. media, and Hollywood. And on Brazil's Bolsonaro, Brazilians are storming their capital buildings. They know their presidential election was rigged. Brazilian military knows the presidential election was rigged. Election rigging has gone too far. Conditioning by polls for plausible results is just not working. People can see with their own eyes the masses who support a Bolsonaro versus little support of Lula. Same with Trump and Biden in 2020. Same with Hobbs and Lake in Arizona. Proof of U.S. rigging is now abundant and irrefutable. See the data of Douglas Frank, who was on the show, my show this Monday, this past Monday. And the American people are digesting this reality and the scale of corruption it represents. Humanity will not forever accept government by transparent dishonesty, i.e., humanity will not consent to live under lies. And finally, on Texas election advocates leading the way, Texas first pushing for election transparency, doing everything peaceably the right way gathered and organized relevant public data from recent elections, obtained thousands of affidavits from individual Texans, attesting to election irregularities, 
drafted proposed remedial legislation for the 2023 session, prepare a thoroughly organized presentation in Austin to every office holder, conducting a prayer rally to accompany the effort. Texas first effort is a measure of populist Texan discontent with rigged elections. Texas legislators would be foolish to fail to grasp the level of discontent and the proof of rigging. What if transparent, honest Texas election results? Would have forced Abbott into a GOP primary runoff against a true conservative Texan, anyone in that primary. Delivered a very large conservative majority in Texas House and Senate, reflected a red Texas. Would Dade Fallon be so confident in defying the will of Texans? This is why transparent, honest elections are worth fighting for. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth? about America. Can you hear us now?